You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast. Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. For win. It's good! It's good! It's good! Your home for all things Alabama basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Blake Byler. Animals are like, I don't know if that like, like resonates <laughs> with you, but like you always see tigers in like, like on pictures and like on TV, but when you like see a tiger in front of you, it's like, what am I looking at? Matthew Gibson. You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle. At some point, somebody's got to take a stand. It's like, hey, man, the Capitol's that way. Chill out. (laughs) No! Stop it! Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back in to the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast. Uh, This is season three, episode 12. I'm Blake Byler, joined as always by Matthew Gibson and Jacob Pickle. Uh, And we have a lot to talk about after... Uh, this past week where Alabama went 2-0 and um, in SEC play, Alabama got a win over Auburn. They got a win over LSU. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it as we talk about those games. Uh, let's start with the big one. Alabama beat Auburn on Wednesday night last week in the Iron Bowl of basketball. Auburn came in ranked number eight. Uh, really crazy game. A lot happened. Uh, a lot of uh, special guests and people were there. Uh, but Alabama comes away with the 79 to 75 win. Um, I'll start with you, Matthew. What did we learn about Alabama in that game that really we could take away from as, as the season continues? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the uh, overall um, just depth of this team. I mean, you look at the bench, um, 17 points coming off the bench for Ryland Griffin. Uh, and Ryland is just continuing this tear that he's on. Um, I mean, he's playing at a level where he's probably going to find himself some draft boards again really soon. Um, and uh, guys like Latrell Wright Solar stepping up. Um, another good game for Grant Nelson. Uh, he's doing a lot of things on the court that, uh, regardless of some of the, the struggles in three point land, he's doing a lot of things that help Alabama win with the beginning boards, uh, making the hustle plays. They're just clicking at a level right now that not many teams are in college basketball, and it's 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 a like society for sore eyes for Alabama fans. This is they're playing at a very very high level, and they're back in first place in the SEC. You're muted. <laughs> I think it's two episodes in a row where you've tried to start talking and you've been muted. I know, I know, because my, my laptop, <laughs> the the fan, like the jet engine, is is going. So I was trying not to have that residual background. Trying to take off over there. It is, it is, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a what a win Wednesday, right? Like you you beat an, an Auburn team that's on fire, won eleven or twelve in a row by double digits. Uh, come in, sustain a first opening run, and then go on a run of your own. End up going into half up fourteen. Uh, still have the the gall and the grit to come out and sustain their run uh, and just win the game down the stretch. I mean, I, I think we'll get into this some more, but the last seven possessions that Alabama had, 
like six of them you'd consider a success. They either got a bucket or got free throws uh, while also taking 20, 25 seconds off the clock each time. So, I mean, that that's a way to close a game. That's what veteran experience does for you. Uh, it, like you said, Blake, just a lot happened in that game. Like Nick Dunlap was in the building. Jalen Milrow was in the building. The lights didn't work. The score, the, the back of the backboard with the shot clock was orange. So they turned that off. I just, what a what a weird wacky game i mean that was like i felt like i was in coleman for about 12 hours on wednesday like i just which the number's probably not super far off from actual you, you but, probably were <laughs> <laughs> i'm about to say definitely at least like eight or nine uh it was pouring down rain all day we had students like in a cage in the front of coleman i mean it was just <laughs> like what is that what is happening here um, and then on top of that, all that, you come away with a win. So that was just a massive performance uh, when you had to have it. And that's one of those wins of, like, you beat a, a beat a top-10 team at home, and it being Auburn just can catapult you forward into, uh, into once again leading the SEC, chasing after another regular season title, chasing after a top-five seed in the NCAA tournament, chasing after a top – three to four seed in the SEC tournament. I mean, that is, that's massive. Like the, the momentum swing that, that came from that win um, really, really can't be understated. And with a lot of great performances, uh, learned some more things about the lineup down the stretch that worked well. I mean, just a, it's really a massive game, obviously game of the year for Alabama so far. Yeah. Uh, there, Alabama was in need of a resume defining win. Uh, and they finally got it because we've seen them be just close enough um, against Purdue, against Creighton, um, lost to Arizona by like double digits. But that game was even close in the second half. Uh, so you had seen Alabama get close to getting a couple of these big wins. And for them to finally get it um, was huge, I think, for the team's confidence. Uh, but like Jacob, like you said, that like so much happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember we were we were talking earlier in the day, and you had left early to go get stuff set up, and people were waiting in line at like one p.m. Oh in yeah. The uh, and then after that, I get there. Was it six thirty? I think I got there at like four thirty. The section was basically full when I got there at four thirty, which was already insane. You had like a handshake line to meet Willie. Willie was there. Um, so Willie was there. Like when I walked in Coleman, he's like on the mic, like hyping up the student section. <laughs> then the whole place fills in, and you have the light delay that goes on for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And there's just red lights in the whole arena. You look down, and ESPN's getting like a 20 minute exclusive interview with Jalen Milrow. Because like they couldn't do anything else with the broadcast, uh, and then the game itself actually starts. Auburn hits a three in the dark, which yeah. like of course that of course Auburn's statistically worst free throw sh- or three point shooter in their lineup hits a three in the dark. Of course, uh, Janiah Broom cans one, so Auburn's up three zero, and then the game <laughs> stops. And then what even happened from there? Alabama one, the building was rocking. Oh, oh, Jay Williams was taking pictures with a tennis ball with the student section before it started. <laughs> like, that happened. Uh, honestly, like, props to Jay Williams for, like, leaning into the bit 
Yeah. I thought that was really fun. Uh, just because like it would be so easy for him to be like, what's the word? Just like angry and mad that like people that didn't like what he said or like mm-hmm. be like really egotistical about it. But he did. He like went along with it. And like the, the picture that athletics posted was really cool. Uh, so props to Jay Williams for that. He seemed uh, you got to beat him, right? Yeah, I, I talked to him a good bit. He was a cool guy. It was that was neat. Uh, that was a cool experience. He was like, you know, well, you got you guys proved me wrong. All this, like, we <laughs> made sure I, I was wrong about that. So I mean, he was he was good spirited. Talked well about it, and it was it was fun. Turned turned out well all around. That the the beef's been officially quashed from the Clemson game. So we're we're and good. Then, we're good now. Yeah, and then like the crowd was great, um, yeah. especially with like it made a really unique atmosphere. I was talking to, I sat next to Joe during the game and we were talking about this, like the Auburn fans were in the top all around, like up in the corners. And mm-hmm. so it made this like really unique um, atmosphere whenever they would get loud because they would be above everyone and the sound would be like filtering down with how Coleman's built. And so it made that, like, I don't know how many were in there. There was a good number, but I'm pretty sure the way that they were oriented in the arena, it made it sound even louder than it normally would have. Right. And then, yeah. And then student section and Auburn fans were going back and forth. And then the game itself, you had the Auburn started out hot, went up by like eight. Rylan Griffin comes off the bench and hits like four threes in the first half. Um, he was excellent in that game. Um, he's been excellent for a couple games now, except the trip to Knoxville. Um, and then Alabama builds up a 14-point lead. You know Auburn's going to make a push in the second half. You know they're going to start to come back. They do, and Alabama's still able to hold on. And it felt like in the second half, every single time – like something mm-hmm. Alabama would take like bad situations and somehow score points off of them. Like the Grant Nelson air ball that turned into the reverse dunk and one for Alabama's first points of the second half. And then like Latrell Reitzel got pinned on a layup mm-hmm. by Katie Johnson, loose ball flying around. Somebody gets it, kicks it out to Reitzel and he hits a three. And so like, I feel like things happened like that. that were crazy, like all throughout the game um, that it, it was just back and forth wild stuff was happening and obviously Alabama was able to come out with a win. Yeah, it was, I think that was exactly it. And just showing that resiliency throughout the game was so important. Uh, mm-hmm. They, I think something this team is so good at is <clears throat> answering like another team's made three big momentum shot, like immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I, Mark and Estrada are both excellent at like, if the other team hits a three, immediately going down, getting a three of their own for one, or just like taking the open layup, and then everybody's like, "Oh, okay," like thin wise, environment wise, relaxes. Uh, and they did that consistently. I mean, there were a few times where like the lead would go between three and six for like three or four straight possessions. Yeah, like just answering threes back and forth. I mean, it was like it was probably the best like basketball game that we've had in Coleman. In my four years, I think I'm think I'm comfortable to say that. I think like the Houston game would be up there just because of the ending, um, and obviously the Iron Bowl last year in Coleman was also incredible. Uh, 
But I mean, that was just a it was just a good solid basketball game. I mean, like both teams played well, both teams answered. Like, I was just it, I mean, it was fun. Like it was a it was a fun game to be at. Uh, and Alabama just showed how much they've like learned and proven themselves from the whole entire season in that one game. If Alabama doesn't play those games that they played in December, that they went 0-3 in, I don't think they beat Auburn. Hmm. Um, like the, I don't think they beat Mississippi State on the road either. Um, like those – those two games, I think Alabama's best two games were the Mississippi State game and the Auburn game, um, just because of the grit and resiliency that it took for Alabama to stay in those games and ultimately persevere and get the wins. Um, and those are the kind of things you learn about your team early on. And the fact that they're so battle-tested and they've been in so many of those games, even though they've come up short in a number of them, they learn a lot about themselves during that. And so I think I, I think even Oates said this, that the the reason that they were able to come away with wins in those games were because they played who they played. Now, if they had just played like Eastern Kentucky adjacent teams all of December and gotten to walk into SEC play twelve and one or something, like that you don't learn anything and you're not prepared for um, the gauntlet that is SEC play, which is the second best conference in basketball, arguably. It's either the SEC or the Big East, but the, like a, a really good basketball conference. Uh, so I think that there's no doubt in my mind that Nate Oates, the fact that he scheduled those games, it led to Alabama being able to be where they are right now. And you could attribute a lot of the growth that we've seen this team go through from say the first loss against Ohio State until now, because of that, those many tests that they've gone through. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, and that's another another reason why you just like you can't bury teams on December twenty third. Like, you can't. Yeah. That's just that's not how this sport works. Uh, because those those losses provide so much to learn from and gain from and especially when the team like actually acts on them like they've been doing i mean that is like it doesn't get much better than that than to see like see where you've been and see where you're going because of how you've gotten there uh i i thought i thought that was just a massive massive win for scheduling scheduling tough i mean we've seen conference opponents so far who have scheduled pretty light kind of come out looking a little little shell-shocked down the stretch of big games at first uh think Mississippi State game was a good example of like State didn't really have a lot of great preseason games to look out for uh, or not preseason uh, non-conference and then third fourth game on the schedule they get there and they're a little frozen so where Alabama was ready to go um, and I, I mean I think you could say something maybe maybe similar for Auburn I mean they had a few tough games like Baylor was obviously a good game uh, and then they had good intentions scheduling, but didn't really end up with that difficult of a non-conference. So coming down the stretch of a tough game, it's really the first time they've had to do it. Uh, right, especially on the road. Like they haven't played – like that's one of the reasons I think that they struggled the past two games, losing to Alabama and Mississippi State because they weren't really road tested except for a game against App State, which they lost. Right. But even then, App State's not the caliber of like a top 20 team 
that you could play in a difficult environment that would have prepared them better. Right. No, 100%. Exactly. Um, and I mean, that's something that, that Auburn's going to have to really like gut up and deal with because they've still got to go to Tennessee. Um, I don't, I don't think they have to go to college station this year. I don't think so. Uh, but I mean, like they'll have to, they'll have to go to Athens, I believe. Like they still have a lot of tough games, and they got to go to Florida and Ole Miss in the next two out of the next three. Teams that like excel at home and don't really get beat at home. So that is just another of like that scheduling those tough crazy non-con games. Like that works out for you, and when you don't, you're going to get exposed at some point, and you'd rather get exposed by like. Purdue slash Creighton slash Arizona than a not Yeah. Matthew, you mentioned this earlier that uh, Grant Nelson has kind of started to find his role in a way. Um, kind of expand on that because I thought he was one of the uh, bigger takeaways, not just from the Auburn game, but also just from kind of this week as a whole. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the LSU game, uh, I believe he had, what, 12 points, um, did make a three. But, again, he was just getting boards. He got five rebounds for LSU. I think he had 11 versus Auburn. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, look, he's struggling from three right now. He's lost a lot of that confidence there. It's Some of them have been really ugly. But he's not letting that affect anything on any other sort of aspect of the game. I mean, he's hustling. Um, really, he's – on defense, too, he's, he stepped up a little bit. I think Alabama, as a whole, has stepped up defensively. And LSU had some lapses, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. For, for, versus Auburn, uh, the team itself, you hold a top 20 uh, Kim Palm offense to to what? Like 11% from three? Um, 20% from three and 40% from the field. And I think for Nelson in particular, I, I think he's got to get that confidence back and some of the catch-and-shoot opportunities that he's had and um, you know, not let that get to him. But – He's playing at a pretty high level right now. I, I've been really impressed with the resiliency of Nelson to um, while he's struggling with what really was his bread and butter at uh, South Dakota. I mean, I, I think he, or North Dakota. Um, he's really beginning to come into his own as one a defender and two, uh, just a guy that makes possible plays for everybody else. And um, really doesn't, and even then he's still getting buckets. It's, it's been really impressive to see what, uh, Nelson has done the last two games and um, over the last couple weeks. I, I think um, he's he's really beginning to improve, and it just took him a little bit to, to find his role here. And um, you know, regardless of the struggles, I think Nelson's continuing to prove his worth. Yeah, I think he's finally. How do I put this? I think he's settling into what Alabama needs him to be not necessarily what Alabama fans expected him to be when the season started. Um, And I think those two things are very different. I think what maybe he was billed to be or what Alabama fans thought he was going to be as far as like a three-point shooter, a really versatile uh, like point forward type player isn't exactly what he is. And it's also not what Alabama needs because Alabama doesn't need another ball handler. Like they've, They've got that. They've got a really deep backcourt. If you ask Latrell Reitzel after the LSU game, he says it's the best backcourt in the country. Um, so with Nelson, you, Alabama just needs a guy who's going to go inside and get rebounds and score the occasional layup and hit his free throws and 
that's what Nelson is. Like the past two games, he's done an excellent job, especially the Auburn game rebounding. 11 rebounds. He had a couple key offensive rebounds down the stretch that led to fouls and him hitting free throws. He's one of the best free throw shooters on the team. I think he shoots around 85% on the season um, from the free throw line. And then we saw against LSU, he's got a little bit of a back-to-the-basket game, uh, like to to an extent. It's not it's nothing crazy, um, but he's able to back down a smaller defender uh, and get a bucket. And he's also he he's a good cutter. Um, he's getting to where he can finish better. I know he it seemed obviously that he struggled confidence wise, big time, just in every aspect of his offensive game, um, especially from kind of December until really this past week. Um, the shot's not there, and I think even Oates said like it it's kind of good that he's not shooting as much because that means he's attacking downhill um and like Oates isn't one to discourage shooting ever um but I think he knows that Grant Nelson is most useful and most effective for Alabama whenever he's attacking downhill um and so seeing that aggression uh from him is big and and whenever Grant Nelson's playing well it's hard to see Alabama struggling because he also just like with his size and his presence opens up so much for everybody else. Yeah. And another thing too, is he's playing relatively smart basketball, at least on the, the defensive yeah. end. I, I think he's played roughly 60 minutes in the last two games, only picked up three fouls in, in total. Huge. He's it's been huge. Yeah, I think for me, I, again, just watching him on the defensive end too, he's, he's been able to get some of those like chase down blocks. And um, like you said, when people are trying to back him down, he's been able to be really tough and everything. I, I just, He's coming into his own. It took him a little bit to, like you said, find that role. But um, down the stretch, he's going to be huge for this team. And at some point, I think the threes are going to start falling for him. It's 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 a matter of time. He's not a bad three-point shooter. I think he, at some point, some of those are going to begin to fall for him. And it's just a matter of time. Moving into the LSU game, uh, Alabama won – 109 to 88, incredible offensive performance again, set a program record uh, six 100-point games in a season. Um, and we're still in January. There's still another game in January to go. Um, so that record could get even higher. Uh, but I thought LSU – I didn't think Alabama's defense was great, but I thought LSU – played a really good offensive game. I thought they hit a lot of really tough shots. Um, even then, like, Nate Oates wasn't happy after the game about the defense. But also I thought that, like, if you're scoring 109 points, nobody's beating you. Um, so he's right in the fact that, like, you have to play better defense because there are going to be nights where your offense doesn't play that well. Um, but I'm not, like, overly overly concerned just because I know we've seen the defense improve over um over the past couple weeks uh especially in SEC play I thought it's been better um so that feels like a bit of an outlier especially with the way that they hit shots what what do y'all think are y'all concerned about the defense um the way I like the effort I saw Wednesday in against Auburn like this team can defend very well. Uh, <clears throat> I thought Saturday, like literally at LSU, just I think 
played marginally worse defense, maybe like 10% worse defense, and LSU made everything. Like, everything. I mean, they shot, like, what did they shoot from three? They they shot 40% from three? Yeah, 11 of 28, and then 44% from the field. Like, that was, um, or from two. Like, that's, I don't know. I'm not super worried about the defense. Like, we kind of know what it is at this point. We know they lock in for big games for the most part, like outside of, I mean, even in those games where a lot of points were given up, Purdue, Creighton, Arizona, like still pretty solid defense with what you have. Um, In conference, it's been good for the vast majority. I mean, against Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, uh, Mississippi State was, was decent. They also shot pretty well. Like that's, not super worried. Um, this team can get up and also, like, with the ability they have to score, if you just play pretty good defense, like, that's kind of it's kind of all that matters. Uh, and show the ability to hold really good offenses when you can. I mean, like, at holding Auburn to one point of possession is pretty, pretty massive. Um, yeah. So I, I think this team can, and there will be lapses because – there's just missing some key aspects, missing a little length and some height at the the five, four and five. But I don't know. I I, I think it's okay. Saturday, like clearly LSU was trying to play our game too. They wanted to push it, take a lot of threes, play that kind of game. And um, last year they came and played that kind of game, obviously with not as good of a roster and we had a better defense, but it beat them by 40. This year they come and play that game and they make their shots. Like that's just kind of it's kind of part of the variance of it. Uh, I think LSU in particular doesn't really back down from Alabama no matter what, which I respect about Mac, Matt McMahon because their roster is like very much at a disadvantage to the rest of the SEC still, outside of like one or two teams, um, and they still have put out decently solid results for the most part. So I I think LSU is probably a better team than we give them credit for, and you know it just. They made their shots that day. Like that's that's all you can do. I agree. I I'm not I'm not overly concerned. I I think kind of like you said. Like it doesn't like Alabama doesn't have the the offense is so good mm-hmm. that like even in games where Alabama hasn't shot the ball well, like Creighton where they were like four of twenty something, like they were still in the game at the end of the game. Um, the I think we've seen big picture defensive improvement over the season um, enough to the point where, especially against Auburn um, enough to the point where it's not like, you're not going to see the same defensive performance you saw against like Clemson again, I don't think. Um, So not too concerned about the defense. Obviously you'd like to see some things cleaned up, but also credit LSU. They hit a ton of shots on, uh, on Saturday. We'll see. Um, this week against two, um, how would you describe these offenses? Decent, not great offenses um, in Georgia and Mississippi State. Like both of them are hovering around the 80s in Ken Palm. I just looked up, um, so we'll see how the defense looks against um, against both of them. One other player that I wanted to talk. Jaron Stevenson. Um, Nate Oates has been very uh, vocal about how impressed he's been with how he's played. 
I've been impressed with how he's played. He played a lot of minutes against Auburn uh, and scored six points. He played 23 minutes. Um, and then against LSU, I thought he had another decent game. He got 20 minutes, uh, scored five points, hit a three. Um, so he's not like scoring a ton or anything, but I think he just looks a lot more comfortable um, as a reclassified player that's now, um, he's supposed to be in high school. He's now kind of learning the ropes of playing in the SEC, playing against higher level of competition. Um, I think physically he looks better. Um, he looks a little stronger down low and is able to compete a little bit with some of these uh, big men in the SEC. I remember he got played off the floor against Purdue, against Arizona, some of those teams that were bigger and got like hardly any playing time at all just because of uh, they were just hunting him. He became a bit of a liability, and I think he's grown a lot this season in that area. Um, what did y'all think of of him and how he's played the past couple games? I mean, I, I think for Stevenson, he had the little uh, – caught the freshman slump a little bit, and he's really retooled himself to to be really valuable, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end. I mean, he looks a little bit bigger than he did at the beginning of the year. Um, he's not getting lost on some of the switches and things that he was initially versus teams like Purdue and Arizona and some of the other teams that were giving Alabama fits down there. I, I just think for, for Stevenson, um, just – experience is what it boils down to. Uh, he's he's getting more minutes, he's playing better, uh, and he's just growing. And this is this is what guys like that do in Alabama system. They grow, they learn the more they play. It's for Jaron, um, I think obviously sometimes when you uh, get some of the hype that he had after his really nice stretch of games to begin the year, and you start seeing yourself on, on draft boards and things like that, you can probably get to your head a little bit, and then you struggle for a little bit. And I think now, He's just settling into his own. I mean, it's it's hard as a freshman in the SEC to to really, um, you know, make a make a statement for yourself and just grow like that. But Stevenson's rebounded immediately and it's just playing at a very high level right now on on both ends. And I think if you're Alabama, you have to be really pleased with his development from point A to point B now. And um, he's going to be a massive cog for the rest of the stretch of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love what I've seen from him um, so far in kind of rebounding after learning the, the toughness of college basketball and playing against fourth and fifth year seniors. And uh, that was something he and uh, Chris Stewart talked about on, on Hey Coach last night. It's just like he's like literally still like should be doing a senior year of high school and he's down there battling like against Jen Ibram and Jalen Williams and Chris Moore uh, and, and doing well. Uh, so seeing his growth and the impact that he can have, I mean, he had like with, with the backcourt Alabama has, like we already know what the floor is. And then if you have Jaron playing really well at the four and then you get Grant going at the five, like that just shoots the ceiling way, way up. Um, and Jaron's ability to just come in really only take one or two threes, but just be a lot like defenses have to cover him and he stretches the floor really well. Um, that just opens up passing lanes. Um, lanes to the rim for everybody else on the team. So I, I'm loving his impact so far. I'm loving the effort that he's giving. Uh, I think he's been phenomenal the last few games, and he will be uh, just another huge piece of however well he plays could help decide what the ceiling is for this Alabama team. Before we get into uh, Georgia, one other thing about 
the LSU game is uh, Alabama switched up the starting lineup. We kind of knew it was coming. The starting lineup's weird because Muhammad Waki looked like the starting center for a while, and then his uh, foot injury flared up, and he's like – it's like Jordan Bruner again. It's like a, a center that's not fully healthy, but it he definitely needs like some kind of procedure or something, but if that happens, they're just going to lose him for the year. So I think they're just playing him less than 100% just to have the body, to have the depth down low because you can't really lose a whole other player um, in the front court. So uh, now it, it's been Pringle for a little bit, but I don't think Pringle has been that great. I think he's had stretches of fine, but I, overall um, probably not what you're looking for out of a starting five. Um, so – Alabama went with a small ball lineup against LSU, went with Mark Sears, Aaron Estrada, Latrell Reitzel, Ryland Griffin, and Grant Nelson at the five. Um, Four guards plus Nelson. I liked it. I thought it gave uh, a really good offensive start. It's really hard to guard that many uh, quick, athletic, sharp-shooting guards. It's hard to do that um, for any team. And I, I think it might pose some trouble if a team wants to roll out some bigs and make like Ryland Griffin guard somebody who's 6'10". Like, I think that would be a bit of an issue. But Nate Oates plays a lot of multi-guard lineups throughout the game anyways. And so I don't hate starting it um, just to get a really fast start, get a hot offensive start. Um, what what did y'all think about the lineup and would you change anything about it? I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was clearly, I think Alabama started like five of six from three. Like they just, they were they were ready to go. Uh, I, I really enjoy seeing all those four guards play together. I mean, they tremendous talents and like having four true ball handlers with the ability to shoot, create their own shot, and all get to the rim. Like it, LSU's defense was in a blender. I mean, the whole night clearly. Um, I, I think, like you said, that's probably not going to work every game, um, just because if you if you do that and you run all four of your guards out, then your rotation of the guards themselves kind of has to switch up. Um, we're just getting a breather wise. And then like we got Davin in the game early Saturday, which he played pretty solid. I mean, I think he had um, a made three, a few assists to start. He had like his three time. rebounds in his time. Yeah. Yeah. He was up getting boards. Uh, yeah. Which I, I think him coming in was probably a direct reflection of guys. We're not playing any defense. Like, yeah. You gotta. We need. We need to get a stop. Uh, but I think, for me, like I, I would like to see Jaron probably in the starting lineup instead before long. Um, but I, I think too, like right now with how well Latrell and Ryland are playing, like kind of gotta ride the hot hand until you can't anymore through this mm-hmm. stretch because like you don't want to. Like Jaron's been playing well, uh, not starting, so you don't want to get him in a game. He kind of gets boxed out or taken out early by the starting big. I mean, Will Baker would have been liable to kind of push back against him on Saturday. Um, you don't want to mess with his confidence. So like, with this team clearly being offensively driven, it's like, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world to like get up really fast, make a few threes. And then like from the under 12 or under 16 to under 12, if you have to kind of just sustain some pressure from the other team, like, you can kind of do that. Like, you can afford to do that. So I think that was mostly Oates' mindset of tired of starting slow. I mean, I think every conference game besides Vanderbilt, 
Alabama started behind, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I think you're right. I, I remember South Carolina and Missouri, yeah. they both started behind. State was like back and they might have been down like six early. So, yeah, yeah. They, they've been behind like every game. Yeah. Except so, I mean, LSU and Vanderbilt. Right. So, like, if you can – if you can start five of six from three and then just go from there, like I, that's not a bad place to start, in my opinion. Having fifteen points by the under sixteen, I don't know, could be could be it's controversial. Like the, there. It's like the Warriors like death lineup. Yeah, it's like when the Warriors would roll out like Steph, KD, Clay, Iguodala, and and Draymond. It's like you've just got dudes who can shoot all over the floor, and then you've got a smaller big man, but. Um, if Nelson keeps like rebounding like he is, and if he's able to bow up defensively, why not roll that lineup out? The only issue I could see is if you play a team like I'm trying to think of a team in the SEC who rolls out like a four that Rylan couldn't yeah. guard. I mean Tennessee, like, like that's it. I think. Who's oh, their yeah, four? I was just say Tennessee, but who's their four man? Is it Josiah Jordan James? Yeah, I'd, even I'd then, I feel like you could put Rylan on him. Well, no, if it's Tennessee, you can put Rylan on Connect. For being honest, yeah. uh, well, so mean, maybe Tennessee, can, maybe Auburn. If I'm not mistaken, like rotation wise, it looks like it was Latrell on a uh, on Jalen Reed at times Saturday. Like maybe that, it was. Which was I know they I mean, trusted Latrell to guard most anybody. He's a he's dog good. defensively. Like he's a really good he had player. Aiden Holloway in chains Wednesday night. Like yeah, he did. He Auburn's do, guards were so uncomfortable. Oh he, like they could do nothing. Like I, I went back and watched because I wanted to track like how one just to see the game again, but see how Alabama did against their Auburn's like bench five most efficient lineup, um, mm-hmm. which was always a small sample size statistic. Let me let me get that out there. That was always a hey, they've only played like four possessions a game uh, just got on, on my rant. I, I appreciate Evan Mia's work, but that, that was like always going to be a, yeah, man, they just don't play that many possessions. Like, obviously. Um, sorry, just tangent. Uh, <laughs> the, all the times that I saw Latrell on ball, I mean, he was guarding incredibly well, like incredibly, incredibly he well. Uh, and he just like fights and pushes and like, he does not let up. So I, I think, like you can kind of just put him on one of the big men and just like annoy them for a bit, uh, annoy them enough to get down the floor, make a few steals, uh, then turn those into points, like Alabama did. So I, whether it's Ryland or Latrell, like I, I think, I think you have something that works. But outside of Tennessee, I mean, I don't like even if it's Ryland on the floor, there's not a ton of guys that are coming to mind that I don't think that would directly work on at least for a few minutes. Um, especially if you have like, especially at the start of the game when all your perimeter defenders are like fully rested and ready to go. Um, at times, like down the stretch, if you if you've got a little bit lax on ball defense, then that opens up some more things. But especially at the start, I think it can work. I'm looking at Georgia's uh, starters. Georgia starts four guards in the center. Oh, so we will so, see this one. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm wondering if Georgia switches up their lineup based off what we saw last game. Um, Georgia lost, obviously, to Florida um, on Saturday. And they had a scoreless member of their starting lineup who scored zero points. 
Um, why did this dude start? RJ, uh, not oh. Melendez. They have a different RJ. Uh, Sunahara uh, averages two points a game and played three minutes, but started the game on Saturday. Um, so who, who started for them normally in that spot? Uh, Russell, how do you say his last name? I believe it's T'Challa. Him. Uh, he had like 15. He's seven foot. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Abdurrahim and Thomason are their starting backcourt. And then you have uh, Silas Damari Jr. Averages like 10 a game. But then off the bench, like RJ Melendez had 35. Hmm. And then uh, Hill had 11. Blue Kane had 14. So I wonder if they switched some things up. Regardless, though, they don't play a lot of like long wings. Like they started four guards and, and a center. So, like, if Alabama wanted to run that lineup again, they absolutely could. Yeah. And. One thing about that five too, and again, it's an extremely small sampling. Uh, that lineup has played in twelve games together for roughly, I think, 40, 40 minutes. Uh, in terms of offensive rating, they're at one thirty-four, which is the top lineup in college basketball. And defensively, uh, they're at one twenty-two defensive rating, which is statistically also the worst in college basketball. <laughs> That's really funny. I bet you well, a lot of the minutes they played together were the opening of that LSU game. It is, it is, but it's just funny to look at everything. It is, but it's funny to see them like extreme ends of of both spectrums there. Hey, all all I hear is a, a net point two points per possession, baby. Come on. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, oh man, jeez, that's that's funny. I think. To talk a little bit about the Georgia game, Ken Palm, their offense is 84th, their defense is 52nd, um, 14 and 6 overall. They had like a 10 game win streak where they played literally nobody uh, from November to January. Uh, they actually played one team in the Ken Palm top 100 during that 10 game win streak. Florida State? It was Florida State. Which, which, which beat on the road, decent I, team. That's looking like a better and better result each week. Yeah. In in fairness uh, to, to Mr. White. Yeah, it's a decent win, but like then they got into SEC play. They lost three of their last five, lost to Kentucky, Tennessee, and Florida. Almost beat Tennessee at home. I do remember that game. Beat South Carolina at home by five, beat LSU by two. No, they beat South Carolina on the road, excuse me, and beat LSU at home. By two. Uh, Ken Palm projects an Alabama win by seven, it looks like. Gives uh, Georgia just a 28% chance at victory. Um, that's kind of the – I haven't seen the actual line yet, but around seven is, I think, what I'm predicting Alabama to win by. Um, I think Alabama is just better than Georgia, and I think – I'm actually going to probably ask him this today, but I'm going to ask Oates and his press conference in a couple hours if he's talked to the team about that 2022 game, the last time they were in uh, Stegman Coliseum. Nightmare. Jacob, are you there? No. I, I had a test that evening, gracefully. Oh, so I, 
I was not in Athens. Uh, it was for those of you that don't remember, Georgia went one and seventeen in the SEC in 2022, and that was the one, uh, the one game that they won in the entire season in conference play. Um, they beat Alabama by like six, and then Alabama beat Baylor the next game because that's how that team was. Um, makes a lot of sense. They're going to have to avoid a letdown like that. And Georgia's a better team, so I think it's going to be an easier time preparing and maybe not overlooking them. But I think Alabama ultimately comes with the win. It's not going to be easy because it's the road in the SEC. But like seven to eight is is kind of what I'm anticipating. Um, what do you all think? Yeah, I, I think something around there. Um, I think Georgia – I'm glad they came back on Saturday against Florida and showed some fight. Uh, you'd rather that than have them get blown out and then you have Alabama coming in because they'd be they'd be extra up for it. Uh, I mean, I, I think they're going to be a tough out. Historically, Nate some pretty well against Mike White teams overall. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of just interested to see what Georgia does. I mean, they – he was talking about it last night again, but like they're they are more athletic. They like to play five out a little bit more. I mean, they can they can make some shots. Uh, Blue Kane and RJ Melendez are pretty solid guards overall. Pretty solid players. Uh, but I think Alabama will pull away. I think having kind of a defensive lapse on Saturday for Alabama helps. Maybe yeah, it helps them get motivated again to to play solid defense. Um, I think you'd rather have. Like certainly having the LSU game at home in between the IBOB and going to Georgia is really nice because you get another game to like where Saturday could have been the letdown game um, that now you've kind of avoided that. So go to go to Georgia, get up for it, take care of business. Um, but yeah, I think I think seven seven eight to ten. Like I, I think in that range is likely. Um, I don't know that this is going to be. A, a real game down the stretch. I kind of think it'll stay at that three to four possession difference for a while. Uh, maybe be a little close at half, and then Alabama just kind of comes out and edges Georgia the rest of the way. But I, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see. I mean, this is a, another crucial game of probably one of the outside of your tough road games of Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, this in Florida and Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a tier above, but this in Florida and Ole Miss are like your you got to go win this, and if you win this, you show that like you're you're serious, like you're a serious player yeah. in, the, in the conference. These are the ones you have to win if you want to win a league title. Absolutely. Yeah, and this is another thing about Georgia too is one <clears throat> where Alabama tends to have a lot of success is on the O boards, and Georgia statistically is I believe in the two seventies uh, mm. nationally and getting offensive boards, and then they fell a lot. In terms of letting up free throws, they're also bottom 250 nationally. So this is a game where Alabama is just going to be able to kind of tear into the paint as much as they want, I think, and really could be a game for for like a Grant Nelson or for like Jaron Stevenson to really step up and have a good performance there because Georgia's got some some big holes there and places where Alabama loves to to um, get at teams. So I think there in particular, uh, Georgia plays into Alabama's strengths, and it's going to be really difficult for them regardless of the fact that they're at home. Um, just because Alabama loves getting to the line and they love getting O-boards, and that's two things that Georgia is horrific at. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're 
T'Challa's averaging four fouls a game committed. So Silas Demar is averaging like four point two. Like you were getting at Matthew, like they not the most disciplined team in the world. Uh, which again, Mike White. So yeah, I think uh, we all expect Alabama to to win. We will all be there. We will all be in Athens uh, at Stegman Coliseum for this one. Um, Steg, baby. It's Steg. It should be fun. Uh, it should be probably a good game for most of it. Uh, another another step potentially towards um, Alabama competing for the regular season title. Like I said earlier, if they're going to compete for it, this is one that they have to get. They have to get a road game against a, an inferior team. Um, this can't be one where you trip up and lose because then that gives more ground to um, teams like Tennessee and Auburn, who you still have to play, and Kentucky, who you still have to go play at their place. Um, so definitely an important one um, and one that I don't think they're going to be taking lightly. Is there anything else um, you all want to add before we wrap it up? I don't think anything specific. I mean, I'm go go to an O this week, and I'm you get halfway through the conference schedule at, at eight, eight and one. one. I mean, pretty good. I'm 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 ready to to start start talking. I don't even think it's crazy. I think I'm ready to start talking serious <laughs> serious regular season championship um, on on the line again, which is just nothing short Insane. of incredible. Like. Realistic chance to go three of four is insane. Like that is yeah, it's that's crazy. Dominant. That's dominant. if they go two and zero this week, they will be sitting at eight and one, and then we can have those serious conversations, um, for sure. But I think that's gonna uh, wrap up today's episode of Blue Collar Unplugged. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We should have another one uh, probably at the end of this week to talk about uh, Georgia, to talk about Mississippi State. Um, But until then, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.